Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. I'm Elaine Cha. As you blow air into it, at once, all of those seams start to kind of air goes into them and everything kind of like the design kind of settles and you see it come to life. Right, like it really right, does feel animation. like that. Exactly. Right, exactly. Right. John Paul Wheatley is a St. Louis resident and soccer fan who, like many folks in STL, has officially caught St. Louis SC fever. Where the UK-born football fan stands apart, however, is what he does with his soccer balls. And his TikTok channel, called John Paul's Balls, is where more than half a million people watch videos of the unusual, eccentric, and geometrically complex soccer balls he creates. What started as a pandemic-period hobby has taken John Paul around the world, including last year's World Cup in Qatar. FIFA flew him there for the tournament, no big deal. He's also been out to the Adidas Global headquarters in Germany. And today, he's with us in studio to talk about all things John Paul and John Paul's balls. John Paul, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thank you for having me. Now, John, you came to St. Louis about 2015 from San Francisco, I understand. Yes. And it seems like you've become a serious fan of St. Louis. But what was it that brought you here? Honestly, it was kind of random. Um, I was, I had a friend who lived here. Um, we were talking about starting a company together and he, either he was gonna move to San Francisco or I was gonna move to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And after swapping notes on what it would be like in both locations and the cost of living, stuff like that, St. Louis won by a wide margin, but I had never been at that point. I just hopped in my car, kind of drove, the multi-day trip arrived and haven't left basically since. What was going on in your life when you first thought about making a a soccer ball with your own hands? So I I first got the leather working tools right around when COVID started. I just just decided to do it on a whim, didn't really think much of it, had no intention of making balls at that point. Just wanted to stay busy basically during Mm -hmm. lockdown. Flailed around for a while. I made, made myself a wallet, which I still have, a uh, pencil case, a few other kind of like very basic things. And then one day, I, I wish I could remember what was going on, but I, I just, just decided kind of randomly uh, to, to try and make a ball. Um, and it was about that big. It was like the size of a ping pong ball. So okay. it, wasn't, it wasn't a football or a soccer ball, as you call it. Um, and it was very bad, but oh. I had fun doing it. And I found it quite gratifying to have this little... It actually wasn't even spherical, but it was almost spherical, right, this thing right. in front of me. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, I, I could I could probably, I could do that. I could do better than that. So I tried again and, and did slightly better. And I've basically been in that headspace ever since. And, and now there's hundreds of balls in my apartment. Right, right. So what was that first ball made with? So just scrap leather that I had mm. just like lying around. I didn't have anything to stuff it with, so I think I... I destroyed an old pillow, made a little hole in it, and pulled okay. out some of the stuffing. Sure. And I think I also just sewed a, a, a magnet inside just to kind of see mm-hmm. what would happen. Now, what is the story behind the very first sort of successful soccer ball that you made? And were there many balls before that <laughs> yeah. that you kind of had to, to fail with yeah. before you got to that first one that 
that you wanted to show to people? So when you say successful, like for the the first probably year and a half, two years of, of my experiments, I was documenting my projects on Instagram from the, from the beginning, but nobody was paying attention. I think I had 50 followers for basically over a year, mostly like, you know, my family, my mum, my friends, that kind of thing. <laughs> sure. I mean, well, I wasn't really posting. I just, it was just worth collecting the projects, basically. Um, but I, what I started doing was documenting the whole process from beginning to end before I was just posting still images mm-hmm. when the balls were done. But yeah, I started documenting the process from beginning to end. And the first one I remember that got more, basically, it got a lot of attention, at least relative to the stuff I was posting at the time. Uh, it was, I think it was the 160 triangle ball. I showed okay. it to you a few minutes ago before yes. I came in here. And it's made of 160 triangles. Um, I think that was the fifth or fourth version of that ball that I had attempted to make. The The previous versions failed for various reasons. They weren't quite right. Mm-hmm. And that was the one that, one, it was very gratifying to actually kind of like make something that was round and it was like the thing I was trying to make for like, you know, four previous versions. But two, to see how many people actually found it interesting yeah. was, was quite surreal. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. I mean, as you are making these, you design first and then you go to cutting and then there's the sewing and all of that. Is there one part of that process that really drew you in? Like it's the thing that you really loved to do as you were making the ball. I think the thing that drew me to it originally, so I'm, I'm used to working on various projects of various various scope, but usually there's many different people involved. And I'm only, I can only be responsible for my part of it. And often there's like delays for various reasons. And the fact, the thing I liked about balls initially was, oh, I could just sit down and do this entire thing from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And not only could I kind of be in control of the whole process, it's, it's, it's a very, it takes a while to stitch a ball. Usually the balls I, I make, usually takes about a week minimum just, just to stitch. There's always this very satisfying payoff at the end, which is, yeah, it's, it's a grind, but you know at the end, one, you get to breathe life into it and you get to see it kind of literally come to life in front of you. And then also you get to play with it, which is also really yeah. fun. So there's always, there's always this little carrot dangling whilst, whilst you're sort of working on <laughs> and a And it's the play. The play, yeah, you get to play with it and 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 see it. Like usually, the designs they look a bit rough whilst you're working on it. Like mm-hmm. there's the every seam isn't nicely defined. But right. as you blow air into it, at once all of those seams start to kind of air goes into them, and everything kind of like the design kind of settles, and you see it come to life. Right, like it really right. does that feel animation. like that. Exactly, right, exactly. Right. John Paul. How did you mess up your early attempts to make soccer balls? You talked about a little bit of the shape, but was there maybe one especially memorable mistake <laughs> that you made that maybe you even kept? Yeah, there's, there is one that springs to mind. I think I, I, think I made a, a video about it early on. And it was, so I've been on this quest to make a globe ball. Since very early on, actually, I tried mm-hmm. to make a very basic 32-panel globe ball, which was, it's embarrassing. It was embarrassing even at the time. <laughs> um, but since then, I've probably made like 10 or so different prototypes of very varying levels of complexity. And this was one of the earlier ones, but it was also kind of, it was, it was quite a complex one. I think there was 212 panels. 
and it took two weeks of just stitching to get this ball together. Um, and with that number of panels, it takes a long time to stitch, but the nice thing is you could almost like pixel art draw with the panels. So I drew mm. this very low low definition outline of a globe, basically. Um, and I thought it was cool when it was, I was, I was, you know, in that, that home stretch feeling thinking like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to pump up soon. I'm going to be able to play with it soon. It's going to be great. <laughs> and as I was just fixing the last stitch, yep. I slipped and managed to basically pop it. We're talking today with John Paul Wheatley. The St. Louis transplant has made hundreds of thousands of fans online with videos of him planning, stitching, and painstakingly creating his own soccer balls. You can find his work on TikTok and Instagram at John Paul's Balls. John Paul, let's talk about your TikTok channel. This is something that you share with your half million or so followers. And there's a certain style to these. Let's listen to one of your posts from 2022 about that world ball you created that was inspired by the World Cup. This is my proposal for a 2022 World Cup ball. Forget the standard 32-piece ball you've all seen and are bored with. Say hello to the absolutely mental, over-the-top, impractical, 212-piece worldie ball. It takes around two weeks to make one of these balls, which is unviable for anything on a commercial scale, but perhaps appropriate for a limited-edition World Cup ball. It's absurd, but with this many cells, you can sort of depict a very rough outline of the world. You could even have match editions of the ball, which have some of the cells swapped out to indicate which countries are playing each other. I've only made one version of this ball before, and I had to hand cut out every cell, which is obvious if you look closely. I'm using a custom-made die for this one. I won't know if it works until we pump up the ball. There's a ball bladder inside which holds the air. I use glue to hold it in place. <gasps> the last cell. Tricky. It takes a lot longer than the others. My heart is usually pumping at this point. Am I going to get anything out of my two weeks of sewing? And I popped it. Trying to clean up a stitch. Oh, I think I popped it. This is going to take a while to fix. Jean, there's a lot happening in that 50 seconds. You do not talk that fast, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> there are multiple time-lapse videos of you stitching and cutting, and it feels like you know, you're taking us through like two weeks of work only to experience that tragic last step, which pops the ball. How typical an experience is that? <laughs> Popping, popping is not typical, but oftentimes they don't work. Oftentimes the balls have various issues, which is, is very disappointing. The, the, the thing that's probably most disappointing that happens quite often, so there's a very small margin of error. There's like a sweet spot in terms of, you know, the construction around the ball bladder. And if it's too big, obviously the panels are kind of, you know, a bit, bit floppy and it doesn't really perform very well, doesn't bounce very high, that kind of thing. But if the panels are too small the ball bladder doesn't have enough room to fully inflate inside the ball. Mm. So what that creates is, a, is basically a ball that's not round, like a lumpy a lumpy ball. And that's very deeply unsatisfying because <laughs> it's, it's literally you're trying to breathe life into it, but you, you actually can't. You right, can't quite right. breathe enough into it for it to kind of become a ball. And that happens more times than I would, I would like to admit. And is there any way to come back from that? I mean, once you have put in the needle to inflate, is that sort of the, the moment of truth? And if it's not the truth, it's it's a lie. <laughs> yeah, if it's not the truth, it's, it means, okay, we, we need to, the design needs to be adjusted and let's start the week again and make another version yeah, of it. Yeah, so you just have to start from scratch. Yes. 
Now, when it comes to the World Cup and FIFA, you, you did get to make a trip out to Qatar last year, and it was as a guest of FIFA. What was that like, and how did that come about? It's funny. It came as a side effect of that video that you just played, actually. So that video, I think... I think it's currently sitting at 25 million views or something. It really resonated with people. The algorithmic gods really took a shining to it. And as a second order effect from that, someone on the social media team at FIFA reached out and invited me to Qatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the idea was for me to make two balls. One was, you know, I'd go there, I'd work on a ball whilst I was there to basically commemorate the tournament. So a ball to sort of represent the tournament of mm-hmm. this World Cup. Um, and that was kind of logistic, slightly logistically challenging because I had to do some of the work before I went and take all of the, the pre-cut panels out with me. And then what I pitched them on was I suggested like, oh, it'd be great if I work on the ball like during the games. Because oh. the concept for the ball, basically, there's 32 panels on a standard ball and there's 32 teams in, in that tournament. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, each panel can represent a country and perhaps I can work on the ball at the game as a way of like, oh, you know, that kind of injects the ball with a bit more meaning. But really, I had a slight ulterior motive, which was then I'd actually get to go to the games. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, they thought that was kind of a cool idea. So I got to go, not to every game, but to some of the games. I was at the final, which was surreal. Wow. Um, and that was the idea, basically. So as teams got knocked out, that's when I would add their f- country's panel to the ball. Oh, okay. So the outcome of the tournament basically affected the design of the ball as as the games were played and the results came in, basically. So there's like a real-time sort of progress exactly. that was happening. And the last two panels I, I had to add were Argentina and France with the last two last two, play, mm-hmm. last two teams in. And it was the craziest game, I think, of any football I've ever seen in my life. It was wild. <laughs> and then I was sat on the sidelines just after that game, finishing the ball, basically. Oh, right. So that was really weird and surreal. And it's hard to imagine that that not being one of the most you know, surreal experiences of my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a second part of the project, though, which was also pretty cool. Um, the idea was to, there was going to be a second ball. Going into the project, I wasn't sure what that second ball was going to be, but the idea was, you know, let's come out, experience the tournament, and then there'll be some story of the tournament. There'll be some kind of narrative that comes out of the tournament, and then you can design a ball around that. And that narrative happened to be the fact that Lionel Messi won won the trophy like he mm-hmm. he was basically the story of the tournament yeah so then I got to work on a Messi ball um and that was also a pretty fun one so what was what is the Messi ball yeah so the Messi ball it was the construction's loosely based on the construction of the World Cup ball the Aurela um but I kind of chopped it up and, and kind of messiified it. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's probably a better way to word that. It's, it has the, the, the colors of the Argentina kit. It has uh, stripes on each of the panels, the same number of stripes uh, as goals he scored in that tournament. Um, and it basically just looks like a really cool, messiified version of the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And where is that ball now? Uh, so it was going to be... Basically, give it back to FIFA. They were going to try and present it to Messi at this award ceremony that happened a few months ago. And I was basically just waiting, <laughs> fingers crossed, for like some sort of little clip or something, some something just showing the handover. Um, but unfortunately, I, I, I never got it. I, I saw a few videos coming out from the event. Like the ball was at the award ceremony. It was on this little plinth that they had. Yeah. But I never saw any footage of them actually giving it to Messi, unfortunately. Well, perhaps it's not too late. Bringing it to the local. So, John Paul, your most recent 
TikTok is a bit of a love letter to St. Louis, or as you put it, 56 seconds of pure St. Louis City propaganda. (laughs) (laughs) And it ends with you unveiling a custom soccer ball you made for St. Louis's pro soccer team, City SC, and we've brought it here today. Yes. What was special about that ball? So I, I like the way that you worded it, a love letter to St. Louis. It definitely is is a love letter to St. Louis. Um, okay. So, And can you describe the ball? Yeah, yeah. So the construction is based on, there's an element on the away kit, on the away jersey, and it has the keystone. It's basically like a triangle shape, but it represents the keystone of the arch, mm-hmm. which is the final piece of the stone that gets put in right, right at the end that secures and supports the whole, the whole, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just a, a cool design element, like a cool metaphor for the city, like a key piece of the city. So the construction is basically, I think it's 20 interlocking keystones or, or triangle shapes. And then it, those triangle shapes or those keystones are separated by the same flash of yellow that's on the home kit. And it's mm-hmm. also the home kit colors as well. Um, that's the construction. I also went around and, and grabbed a few things to uh, stuff inside the ball, which is something <laughs> I like to do. Um, so let's see if I can remember everything that's in there. There's some grass from down by the arch grounds. Mm-hmm. There's some grass uh, from Forest Park. I soaked the thread in the Mississippi River briefly. <sighs> Briefly. Briefly. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some uh, Emo's uh, cheese. The Provel. Provel, okay. a little bit of that uh-huh. in there. There's uh, some, some Pappy's barbecue. So I, I try I tr- a very small amount. Um, some Ted Drew's ice, uh, frozen custard in there. So it, yeah. there's, there's a few a few St. Louis artifacts stitched inside it. Was that hard to do? <laughs> it was a nightmare. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was... Shout out to my wife, who, who I, I know is behind me right now. She, I dragged her basically around St. Louis on like a 90 degree day to oh stitch goodness. the ball in various locations. Yeah, and yeah, it was uh, it was a long day, but it was fun. There's a lot of fun things to do in St. Mm. Louis. So generally, when it comes to ball making, I mean, you have made soccer balls of a pretty astounding range. Um, in there's this variety in size. The materials, a sample of the materials includes soccer balls that you've made out of snakeskin, and others have featured cut-up American footballs, old soccer cleats or boots, um, a water hose pipe, and I saw that you had done both the inside and the outside, and even an edible soccer ball made of sausage. So tell me a bit about how you decide on these projects. Like, What gets you thinking yeah, I, I can make a ball out of that. <laughs> there's there's three areas I like to explore. There's there's the materials like like you've covered. So it's just a f- just fun to see what you can use to make a ball, see how viable it is to make a ball, and then yeah. also see how it functions as a ball as well. That's always quite fun. Um, the construction of a ball is something I really enjoy exploring, like figuring out new ways to construct a ball, exploring that as a medium. And then themes too, like themes are a very fun area to explore, like the St. Louis City Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're really the three areas and they, they keep me pretty busy. Yeah. How is it that you keep up your energy around this? I mean, you brought in a bag full of balls. I think there's like six or seven of them. And then you've mentioned that you have them all over your home. Like what keeps you going and where where do you put all of these? <laughs> it's a good question, actually. I mean, I guess I guess now 
there's an element of the fact that like if you know I'll post the video and people seem to like it you know <laughs> people seem to enjoy the content and I and they encourage me to do it I guess there's some there's some element of that but really I mean I was doing this before that was an element that was that was a play you know I was yeah. doing it when I no one was paying attention mm -hmm. so I think it's just I think it's just a fun medium to explore and yeah. it's the the balance between the how much effort that you put in which is substantial it is substantial especially for the, the more complex ones but there is a payoff at the end every single time and that payoff is definitely what keeps me going yeah so with what you're sharing on social media are there ideas that you have gotten from your followers and if so like give us an example of one of those who the answer is definitely yes Pe people will leave great ideas constantly all the time i'm just trying to think of a good example of one of the ones i've done more recently i mean honestly the st louis city ball was mm -hmm. one that people were like oh when are you gonna do a st louis city ball i <laughs> know i was always gonna do one it was always just a question of when i was gonna when, do right, one but right. but yeah you you people will leave comments and it's, it's it's a very uh it's very useful to be able to like share ideas and get kind of quick feedback on like oh what's resonating what what doesn't um, yeah, I, I realize I haven't answered a question there. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the organic way in which ideas can come to you and then they make their way into um, a ball that you are, you're designing and then doing all of the stitching and, you know, putting in the bladder, all of that is, um, it's such an interesting thing to watch. It's almost like a, um, like slow food. Hmm. <laughs> That there's something to be enjoyed in um, in understanding a process that someone goes through, and seeing something that can be played with at the end um, and, and appreciated. Now, one of the ones that you did make is inspired by something from your home of the UK. Uh, it's a street sign. Oh yeah. Tell us about this this street sign and how you made a corrective soccer ball. You know, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because that's, that's a ball that was an idea that someone gave to me, someone who watched the videos gave to me. The basic concept is, in, in England, the, first of all, there's loads of football stadiums all over the place, but there's the standard road sign that points in the direction of the football stadiums if you're close by in the surrounding area. And the icon on that road sign depicts a ball that would be impossible to construct. It's mm -hmm. made of just hexagons and nothing else. No pentagons, nothing else. So hexagons tile a 2D plane perfectly, that's fine. But it wouldn't tile a sphere. It's just not possible. So there have been people who have tried to petition the government to change this before. <laughs> okay. And I think in 2017, this guy, Matt Parker, who was, who was the guy who gave me the idea for this ball, he's a mathematician. He created a petition I think it was over 20,000 signatures, basically just begging the government to, to just, just tweak the icon slightly. Right. You know, just, you know we, England, we're very proud of our, like, mathematical heritage. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit of an embarrassment that it's, it's this constructed in this impossible way. So the concept for this, this ball, I call it the impossible, and basically took the, the, the shape of the ball, the, the shape of the panels, from a very, from two very specific directions, so like directly in front of it or directly behind it, the panel shapes were tweaked so that it looks like with 
perspective and like mm-hmm. you know things kind of like warping with distance and stuff. It looks like it is constructed of just pex- just hexagons. Mm-hmm. It isn't because that would be impossible, like right, I said. Right. But from two very specific angles, you'll get a view, and it looks like it's constructed from just hexagons. Yeah, basically just a joke. Basically just a way of. I don't actually expect anything to come of it, but it's a way of, you know, hopefully letting people know that that's an impossible way to construct a ball. Right. Not a massive issue. I will, sure. I will concede, but yeah, that was that was the idea. So you've now turned this hobby into a career. You co-founded a company called Twelve Pentagons, making handmade limited supply soccer balls, and you're also selling kits to people who want that full sort of DIY experience. Did you ever think that you'd be in the ball business? <laughs> no. This is definitely not a career that I had anticipated, you know, especially when I told you that it, it takes so long to make one of these balls that it's not, it, it's not viable for me just to sit there and, and make and sell the balls. So as soon as I realized how long it takes, I was like, well, this is, this is always going to be a hobby. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, the, the the ball maker kits resonate with people. It's, mm-hmm. it's been something that people really enjoy doing as a hobby. And yeah, starting this ball company with Marv, it hasn't launched yet, 12 Pentagons, but we're in the process of vetting manufacturers and, and we're about to start the first manufacturing one run of, oh, of the first okay. ball. Do you feel like St. Louis is an hospitable place to do that and why? Definitely. Um, I, I mean, I love St. Louis. Um, there's obviously a rich football heritage here, or soccer heritage, I should probably say. Um, so I think in terms of just like a story and a narrative for founding a, a ball company here, it's 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 perfect. And I, I kind of love the sort of underdog, scrappy reputation that it has as a city. Um, I think a lot of people in America write it off, honestly. Um, but a lot of my friends who, who come and visit from England who have a complete fresh perspective mm. love it here. They, they vacation here, you know. <laughs> so... I, I love St. Louis. We we plan to found the company here, stick around here, and, and yeah. we have no plans to leave. So what advice would you give to someone like me if I wanted to start making soccer balls with one of your kids or, you know, using your videos as, as tutorials yeah. of a sort? What advice would you give me? So the kit is optional, but I do have a, a YouTube video, which is basically, I think it's about 20, 25 minutes. It's just takes someone who has no stitching experience at all and if you follow the instructions at the end of it, you'll have a ball sat in front of you. You will need to, to get some basic stuff, like some leather. You'll have to get a bladder. But it, it wouldn't be a very uh, uh, expensive test if you mm-hmm. wanted to kind of dip your toe in and have a go at making a ball. The shape of the panels seems incredibly important. What shapes work? What don't? Um, and why is it that way? Oh wow, that's a that's a scary question. Um, what shapes work? You can you can basically make most shapes work if you're using other shapes as well. For example, like there are hexagons in a standard ball. There's there's twenty of them, but you need pentagons in there to work. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why our company is called Twelve Pentagons is is because that is a something that re- comes up again and again in ball constructions. You'll see it as a pattern almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if you think of, if you're picturing a f- soccer ball in your mind, the, the black and white panels, there's 12 pentagons on that ball. If you picture the Champions League ball with the the stars on it, those stars are actually just 12 pentagons extended. So, so th- 
it, they're everywhere, even if it's not kind of overt. There's there's 12 pentagons usually hidden in there somewhere. The pentagon is everywhere. <laughs> yes, pentagon's a powerful shape. What is it that you're most excited about now? Or is there a ball that you are presently working on, um, maybe that has stumped you for a mm. little bit? The thing I think that is closest to keeping me up at night is, is the world ball. And I, it's I, it's been a multi-year quest to get to this point. I've lost count of how many prototypes I've, I'm into it at this point. The current latest prototype is probably my favorite ball of all time. It's uh, it's it, it's the construction sort of based on the lines of a, a globe, and it has the actual outlines of the continent. So it's a lot more high fidelity representation of a globe than some mm -hmm. of my my earlier experiments. This version in particular also has something from every continent stitched inside, which oh, I wow. think creates just it kind of makes it like a pretty pretty cool object. I think I can make it better. So I'm I'm that's something I'm still in a headspace of. I, I'm not I'm not I haven't given up on that theme yet. So probably probably keeping exploring that one. Okay. Well we'll watch your TikTok and your Instagram to see what your what progress you're making on that. John Paul Wheatley is the maker of many fabulous and interesting soccer balls, which he has documented for more than five hundred thousand followers on his TikTok channel, John Paul's Balls. John Paul, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski. With audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.